You're listening to an episode of the Break the Cycle podcast on the SVTV network. So I've been heavily interested in nutrition for a few years now. And like everyone else, I've been bombarded with a lot of information around the various kind of foods, diets, practices, all of which are good. There's keto, there's plant-based, there's carnivore diet, there's Mediterranean diet, there's intermittent fasting and a host of others. So, in order to clear my confusion, I decided to speak to Jayati Dureja. Now, Jayati is not a nutritionist by profession. She's actually a gynecologist. But in her own research into nutrition, she's actually looked at it from a medical doctor's lens, right down to the cellular level. And how nutrition can heal things like uh, PCOS, cardiovascular conditions, and a lot more. This is going to be a pretty long episode. Um, so I promise to dive deep into these subjects in the coming episodes. Um, after the next four <laughs> Until then, I hope you enjoy this one and I hope it helps. Take care. And we are on. Awesome. Hi, Jayati. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. We sp- we've spoken, what, twice? In general? One yeah. 15 minutes before this call and one two days ago? Yeah. <laughs> and a bit of text. <laughs> but I, I think that doesn't count. <laughs> Text doesn't count. Text doesn't yeah. count. <laughs> right. So I was very interested in uh, in something that a mutual friend of ours had told me about, which was yeah. uh, your research into nutrition. And that's not something you do professionally. I don't do it professionally, but uh, as a doctor... Uh, and someone who has been overweight most of her life, I do, uh, you know, like to read up on fat diets and I do kind of like to go into the science of it. Uh-huh. And uh, usually when I read about nutrition, I like to break it down to the cellular level, like how it's affecting each cell of my body and not just each cell, like each cell of various organs and mm-hmm. how it comes together to give that effect. Uh, in people and why some things work for me, some things don't work for me, um, you know, and I've seen some diets work for my friends. And, you know, some general observations uh, amongst my friends and family and patients that I've seen, Mm -hmm. which have just made me read up about it and just apply my knowledge to it. Okay, so, so how do you how do you kind of get into the the nutrition side of things? Because when I spoke to you on the phone, you seem to have rather in depth uh, knowledge. I mean, obviously that I, I I do believe that you're you're in that position considering that you understand the anatomy and and the science behind it. Mm-hmm. But as someone who's primarily into the medical system, the current yeah. medical system, where I'm not really sure. Uh, nutrition really falls in at least i haven't experienced that how do you get into this bit uh yeah nutrition training is seriously lacking in our curriculum and uh, i hadn't uh, uh, 
uh, really given nutrition much of a thought till MBBS got over and uh, even halfway through my master's is uh, sort of when I started looking into nutrition and I, when I was doing my master's in gynecology and uh, the reason I started looking into nutrition was because um, typically when we sit and study uh, we have to really sit and study like 10 to 12 yeah. hours and you know crack those horrible neat entrances and uh, you know you tend to go for comfort food like butter chicken and then you you put on oh, weight yeah and, uh, you get a seat at the end of it but you also get like another 10 kilos with that and um, uh, yeah so uh, you know the the usual things uh, which i did to lose weight weren't working for me um this is when I was 26, 27. Uh, I tried to jog. I would, you know, get some injuries. I would sit down. I had hectic work hours. I had 36 hour duties thrice a week. Mm-hmm. And um, there really wasn't any time left for exercise apart from, you know, what I was uh, doing in the hospital, like running between floors and, you know, running between patients and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's when my mom made me meet, uh, you know, a nutritionist or a dietitian. Yeah. And, um, she she explained something which I already knew that your uh, total energy expenditure has to exceed your, uh, you know, food intake. Your calorie intake, yeah. Your calorie intake, and uh, you know that's when you're going to lose weight. And I was like, okay, yeah, I I already know this. And um, and she's like, okay, um, you know, what do you eat? And I was like, I eat pretty healthy stuff. I eat a chicken, I eat paneer, I eat very high protein stuff. I eat eggs, uh, I eat dal, I eat everything, you know, like um, there's nothing missing from my diet. And uh, you really can't tell me to take anything off because uh, I know what I'm eating and I know I'm eating a good diet. And I eat fruits and I, you know, uh, I'm eating all of this. Um, you know, I, uh, I eat peanut butter. I know peanut butter is good for you. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I, I told her all of this and then uh, she said, you're right. All these things are good. But, um, you know, right now you, you're you uh, uh, quite overweight and you will have to watch the calories that are in these things and you will have to, you know, cut down from a 2000 calorie diet, which is what a normal, uh, you know, really uh, moderate to extensive physical labor person requires per day. Mm-hmm. And uh, I told her, yeah, I'm, I'm working a lot, you know, I'm running between floors and you don't know how tired I am the whole day. Uh, I think I'm doing a lot of physical activity. And she said, no, you still come in the sedentary to mild category, even, you know, as a doctor, you're pretty much sitting down or you're standing in the OT um, and, you know, just walking in between wards really doesn't count. Mm-hmm. So then she put me on a 1200 calorie diet and she told me that um, basically, uh, 7,000 calories equals 1 kg weight loss. Okay. Or that's the amount of fat that you will burn. And uh, for 7,000 calories to be deficient, we'll you know cut down 1,000 calories a day. So you'll be on a 1,000 calorie diet every day okay. instead of calories. And that's how you're going to lose 1 kg in a week. If you don't follow 1,000 calories a day and you do 1,500, then you, it's going to take you two weeks to lose one kilo. 
and uh, you know uh, i was like okay yeah i really do want to lose weight i'm getting married soon and you know i want to fit into that sabya sachi lehenga and uh, that that was one of the main motivators because uh, as much as i love food i love fashion uh, so uh, and it was time to kind of uh although i didn't feel feel unhealthy but yeah i did feel like sluggish and uh you know i i knew that like it's not nice to have this like you know fat on me mostly cuz i like to wear you know nice clothes more than like the <laughs> um yeah. you know the effects it will have on my health so um yeah th- that's how this sort of uh, you know that's the first time i actually did uh, dieting mm. uh, for the first time in my life and i did lose weight yeah and around the same time uh, i think maybe 2 3 months after uh, you know I, it kind of plateaued after 2 3 months i lost about 5 kilos with the diet and it sort of plateaued and um, I learned a lot while I was doing the diet because each time I ate something, I would question it as to why, uh, you know, the nutritionist had said, "Okay, don't eat this," or like I would message her, like, "Why don't you want me to have, say, a packet of chips?" Mm-hmm. Uh, and then one of the funny things that she said was, uh, since I was in Bangalore for my masters, and one of the, um, you know, things that I was allowed to eat in South Indian food was uh, idli. uh she said don't have idli with sambar have it with coconut chutney and i said why what's wrong with sambar sambar is a dal dal is good dal's proteins and uh, she said yeah dal is not bad but when they make sambar they put a lot of imli into it and then they have to balance the tanginess so they put a lot of salt into it and uh, when you do eat sambar that excess salt is what causes water retention uh so you know i hadn't thought of things like that and i i did notice uh, she put me on a no salt diet uh, at night and i did notice uh, you know my lower abdomen uh, bloating to go away within 10 days mm-hmm. and uh, this hadn't happened uh, in a really long time like no you know despite like jogging or exercise or whatever it is and uh, uh, another thing that i noticed was that um, you know my fu- pu- the puffiness in my face when i got up used to be down when i wouldn't have uh, like a salty dinner like if i didn't have salt after 7 o'clock i would wake up feeling flat like my tummy feeling flatter and my you know face feeling fresher and not puffy mm-hmm. um and another thing i noticed because i do have knowledge of, about these things is maybe why i acutely was observing these things is uh, i i suffer from pms with in, in a mild form mm-hmm. uh, and uh, one of the things during pms is that i would get bloating uh, to the point that it would hurt like you know my tummy would hurt and uh, um generally like i the puffiness would just hurt everywhere mm-hmm. and uh, that didn't happen for the first time uh, that month <laughs> so i i wasn't too light like i i was lighter by just 2 2 1/2 kilos okay uh but uh i felt 
like my mood wasn't as bad it was a little bad but it wasn't as bad and it is the physical effects of pms were completely gone um you know which would happen a week before my periods so uh, i started looking into it at that time and you know i started questioning why is exercise not working for me at this stage and uh you know i when i was 18 i used to eat one butter chicken bucket and then i would just jog for two days and i would just like be back to like you know a flat belly and everything and you know that wasn't working so i started reading into it uh despite uh, my mom who's also a doctor would just reassure me that hey it's okay this happens you need to eat you need energy you're doing such hard work you're doing 36 hour duties come on you know uh, don't listen to the dietitian so much <laughs> uh, you you eat when you need the energy <laughs> so uh the uh, so uh, and you know she's also a doctor and uh, it seems to be every parent's advice no khana khao every punjabi parent is just like hai sukar gayi you know uh so <laughs> and like, not at all you know i'm not sukrot at all like even when i lose weight i'm overweight <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah so and then at that you know so it's conflicting advice you get from uh someone you always believed in uh, not just because they they your parents but also because uh you know they're doctors and some somewhere in my brain in the hierarchy of things doctors know best and then come you know because you are uh no not because i am because uh, you know i grew up with the uh, i i think uh, Uh, there's a lot of self uh, professed experts uh uh-huh. people who just go into one thing so much that they don't look at the other argument of things and uh, everybody at my house has a scientific temper so if something's approved then okay why is it approved we should look into the other thing and i realize we do that with everything except nutrition because uh you know just that uh, the tri- the triangle the pyramid of the food pyramid is what we're taught in the food pyramid is what we believe in and we're like yeah we're getting eggs we're getting milk we're getting you know dal we're eat- getting good carbs and you know we're eating uh, like the best possible uh, grain that's available yeah. in the market so you you don't think about it and you have a basic idea that uh, okay you know putting too much oil in your diet is bad so you you know we make always like a low oil low spicy uh, food at home so uh, the diet at my house wasn't a problem at all mm. uh, but yeah i think eating like a teenager who's going through a growth spurt you can't do that once your you know growth spurt is over and <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I a lot to do with uh, I'm glad you touched upon that thing about ghar ka khana because uh, that's 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 been one of my biggest issues like that that's like one thing I argue with everyone about uh, whatever okay since you're the doctor I'm going to ask you this okay the whole ghar ka khana versus bahar ka khana thing yes ghar ka khana is better isn't that also dependent on what you are eating or how it's being made yeah exactly if if you have a full time cook slash chef at your house making food mm-hmm. and 
आपने बोला था इतना कम नमक डाला इतना कम तेल डाला दैट्स तभी ऐसा बना है देखो भैया को भैया के लिए थोड़ा और डाल दे तो घर का खाना या हु इज मेकिंग इट वॉइंग इन टू इट वॉट आर द कॉम्पोनेट्स गोइंग इन टू इट वर्स इज ईटिंग आउट यान टू समाउस एंड आई नो दीट लाइक ऑलमोस्ट बॉइल्ड वेजिटेबल डाइट और नॉट इवन बॉइल्ड लाइक यू नो lightly sorted vegetables um, and you know i know that they have a good proportion of salad and proteins and and some carbs then i'll be like yeah your ghar ka khana is good mm-hmm. uh, but knowing the indian food uh, pattern and knowing that we are a country of vegetarians mm-hmm. uh, a lot of us uh, don't realize that ghar ka khana is about 80% carbs and 15% fats mm-hmm. or 70% carbs and 20% fats in most indian households mm-hmm. and the proteins are barely 5 to 10% okay for a vegetarian diet is what i have seen all right but you're talking about like a conventional thing like a conventional uh, diet of a vegetarian mm-hmm. what i have seen because um they'll they'll water down the dal to such an extent that you know the amount of protein in that one bowl that you're getting is i wouldn't call it more than 5% mm-hmm. and then um, you know the way we murder vegetables in this country you know like we we make them unrecognizable yeah. we, you know we have our typical pyaaj tomato wala gravy and then we just like you know Uh, mash the vegetable into it. We cut it into small pieces. So we are essentially draining all the vitamins, which right. are bile, right? So, so most of the vitamins don't take to heat that well. Mm-hmm. So you are destroying the vitamins. So once you've destroyed the vitamins, then what's the good thing left in the vegetable? That's fiber. So you are essentially destroying the fiber by like really boiling it down, and you know, like you're really just like. Um, but you say uh, you're just like mashing it sort of right and uh, so you're just like eating some flavored sabzi which has now got oil in it or ghee right. in it <clears throat> and uh, so it's it's uh, i would say it's only carbs and fat the side sabzi in most indian households mm-hmm. and 
and uh, then coming to what we think is fiber uh, which is our beloved roti uh again how much ghee are you putting on it are you like using such a you know refined atta ki uska you know fiber is pretty much gone uh-huh. is that like really the only source of fiber that you know uh, people have to claim like there are so many good sources of fiber like salad is a way better source of fiber that's fiber plus vitamins but uh, as a doctor when i ask any patient about how their diet is the first thing they tell me is hum to roti khate hain they don't even dal khate hain ye khate hain you know non vegetarian hai i eat roti like if, if i'm asking them your weight is you know you're overweight or like aapke you know lipid profile to kharab aa gayi hai kya kha rahe ho chawal ekdum nahi touch karte bas roti bas roti and like chawal is not bad why are you giving chawal a bad name you know yeah Uh, it's almost the same as roti okay yeah little bit of fiber uh, difference is there mm-hmm. but it boils down to the same proportion of carbohydrates and proteins uh, in and how you cook it will is going to you know decide how much fat you're adding to it if you're having steamed rice right uh, keeping most of the protein and you're getting you know a decent amount of uh, starch or carb in your diet from mm-hmm. it and carbs is what you need for your immediate and daily energy needs so if you're having it in a decent amount you are your body is going to get through the day well and it's going to maintain your body in that way or or if you're having uh, a, you know only two or three chapatis and the size of those chapatis also matters uh yeah. then uh, and you're not putting like ghee on top and you're you know not putting uh, oil when you're making the dough because i've seen people put salt and oil into the dough like you're not supposed to do that you're supposed yeah, to yeah. put water uh so uh, if you're putting uh, all of those things and again you are uh, you know taking away from the nutrients or you're adding some bad nutrients to your diet like you're going mm-hmm. to have excess salt and you are going to become hypertensive right because right. there's only so much that your kidneys can handle and there's just only so much that your blood vessels can handle with too much of excess salt so uh, you know i'm not saying that medical science hasn't looked into the effect of diet mm-hmm. there are lots of articles on how um salt affects uh, you know excess of salt in your diet affects the different parts of your body or the different organs of your body or like excess of fats and saturated versus unsaturated fats how they affect your cardiovascular health or you know how it impacts diabetes and how how carbs impact diabetes so all, all these papers are out there mm-hmm. but we are not taught any of it <laughs> okay okay so um, and uh, even when we do have like a five mark question on nutrition if we don't draw that damn food pyramid we are not getting marks so valid is that food pyramid in today's day and age i'm sorry how valid is that food pyramid in today's day and age and there's a reason why i asked this so yeah for now i mean if i were to talk about uh, at least a couple of years 20 my understanding since 2018 because that's when i started looking into it uh, a, a little more is people moving on to a more uh, no carb or low carb 
there's like one section that says no carb no grain yeah. yeah there's another section that says no meat no dairy at all now of course there's there's an ethical side to that which i get yeah. i support but um i can't say i support because i still consume meat but uh yeah i get it but the whole nutrition part of it is what escapes me because we've all been taught that pyramid we've all yeah. told look at your macros you need a good amount of protein and there seems to be an obsession with protein for a lot of people as well yeah you must have protein uh yeah. carbs have suddenly become the enemy earlier it was fats now fats is the hero and sugar's bad so where does one so, so my question really comes down to is that annoying pyramid other than just other than just maybe showcasing the nutri- the 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 major macro and micronutrients does it have any value anymore and if if not then what is it that one needs to currently look at with so many things just flying around so uh, that's a really good question because after about 4 years of looking at nutrition uh, from different angles mm-hmm. i come back to the pyramid you what yeah i come back to the pyramid okay <laughs> and uh, Uh, this is after a lot of like pros and cons of all diet fads uh-huh. that i've read it. okay and um, my verdict is that the food pyramid is not bad mm-hmm. it's uh, it's a pretty decent uh, way of how to handle your day to day nutrition right but um you have to customize it to your own body right <clears throat> like um uh like i was telling you that day when we spoke that uh, i really looked into keto because my weight uh, sort of stabilized after losing 5 kilos and i wasn't losing any more mm-hmm. and um so i started looking into you know how my bmr is and uh, you know how you need some people need to do keto to shock their body or you know shock their system into okay. you know like uh, shifting from this uh, uh, you know shifting to a different source of energy from carbs to fats and all of that and the first time i read about keto i was like wow this really makes sense and uh you know maybe the food pyramid is really wrong like we've had it wrong for a really long time and uh-huh. uh, when i first read about keto I, i was i told my mom you know like fats are good i i think you know you shouldn't uh, uh, be looking into carbs and another reason why i looked into keto was that um you know doing the diet gave me this sort of an acute awareness of how my body would uh, react to what i ate um so i notice that when i'm having just boiled eggs in the morning and i'm rushing off to work i had a lot of satiety i and like my breakfast is usually black coffee mm. no sugar and a couple of boiled eggs right so and i would throw away the egg yolk of all the other eggs and keep just one egg yolk so when i uh ate like three egg whites and one egg yolk and i had black coffee i would have satiety and energy for the next 4 to 5 hours 
minimum uh, during the day and uh, i wouldn't sort of be like raving mad hungry by lunch time i would be you know decently hungry that yeah i i should have lunch and my lunch would uh, be kind of carb heavy like it would be like an idli or chutney or it would be you know um some something uh, which is on the food pyramid like a balanced diet like it it would have uh, or the food pyramid or another thing we follow is the y shaped plate so that y shaped plate says you should have your grains in uh, you know one third of the plate and then you should have one third of your like proteins and then one third should be you know vegetables mm-hmm. so when you have like Uh, uh you know a, a plate like that like i would have say rajma chawal with some you know salad or i would have uh rajma chawal curd or something like that which according to the food pyramid is a pretty decently well balanced meal i'm getting my protein and i'm getting my carb and i was getting some dairy and calcium from the curd um and you know if i've made it at home and i've made it in low oil it's it's just boiled rajma with you know maybe half a spoon of oil gone in to make the masala and uh, you know if the rice is steamed then it's it's not a very high calorie diet mm-hmm. um within uh, 45 minutes after eating that i would start yawning and um, mm-hmm. uh within 2 hours after that i would be like hungry not hungry hangry like you know oh boy yeah like give me something to eat and irritable and you know just like okay yeah i'll do this work but first i need like you know that evening tea snack kind of a thing and uh, i so i noticed that uh, versus i have a typical indian lunch Raja. yeah typical indian lunch and uh, Th- that was my only issue with it how my body was reacting to it mm-hmm. i didn't have an issue with the nutrient content of it per se like uh, on paper it was a decently nutritious meal according to the food pyramid right <laughs> uh, but it was and according the food pyramid does advocate about getting your energy about 50 to 60% from carbs so it mm-hmm. was percent carbs and it was maybe i would say 30% uh, protein fat and a 10% of whatever uh, you know like a mixture of dairy fat and uh, you know some curd and some nutrients thrown in so uh, i didn't find it uh, you know an unacceptable uh, diet in terms of the nutrient content into it but what bothered me about it was how i felt why did i feel cranky why did i feel sleepy why did i feel lethargic why could i not concentrate in class and we always had post lunch classes uh, during masters so uh, it would just be like this you know five of us were just like struggling to keep our eyes open because uh, everyone has a carb heavy lunch and uh, in fact i got called out for eating this lunch by a senior mm-hmm. and guess what she was eating a casserole full of tamarind flavored rice okay. and uh, i was horrified by her meal and she was horrified by my meal uh, because as as a north indian uh, this was my staple diet right like i need to eat like some legume thing like this is how i've grown up my lunch has always been rajma chana chola some you know some one of these things with rice right mm-hmm. 
we consider it a pretty decently balanced meal and i looked at her meal and it was just rice i was like where's the thing that you put in the rice you know mm-hmm. how can you just eat rice and that you just like flavored rice and like fried flavored rice right um and she she just looked at my lunch that day and she said you eat like this every day ha huh? i said yeah isn't this too heavy as like no it's not heavy it's just like rajma chawal see i'm eating so light and she had three times the food uh, quantity that i had mm-hmm. i guess she was kind like maybe that made her feel light because it was just like rice right like how how heavy can you feel on just rice i i don't know and it comes uh, off quicker too yeah uh but uh she was horrified by my diet i was horrified by her diet and then post uh, lunch we just like uh it didn't make a difference because all of us would be so sleepy during class so uh, you know uh, it just got me wondering as to uh, i literally google like why do i feel sleepy after eating a big meal or you know is, uh, is something wrong with my insulin because as a doctor my my brain sort of goes in those directions mm-hmm. you know uh what's happening inside my body once i eat this then how is my body reacting to it and we we've not been taught about diet but we've been taught about uh, the glycemic index of foods mm-hmm. like like high glycemic if you eat high glycemic index you're going to burn it off quickly and then you're going to feel hungry quickly so uh, we're definitely taught all of this because uh, we have to give a detailed counseling to all the diabetic uh, pregnant ladies who come to us and we have to tell them how they have to go about their day so um, i was like okay yeah rice is slightly high glycemic index but rajma isn't so you know uh, high in, on the glycemic index it's like medium to maybe low and uh, curd is also more on the medium to low side so overall i shouldn't be feeling like this and uh, should i cut rice uh, from my diet should i just have curd and rajma and see how i feel so i i did that experiment one day and definitely like i didn't feel that sleepy i just didn't have rice that day i just had curd and you know uh, rajma mm-hmm. and I spoke to uh, my nutritionist and I said you know I didn't have rice I just had these two things and then uh, she said yeah actually most of the chana rajma all of that is just 30% protein 70% is diet carbs so in a way when you're having you know boiled chickpeas or you're having uh, you know boiled rajma or whatever and you just put some lemon on it and you mix some freshly cut uh, cucumber tomato and you know onion uh, drizzle on it and you make it like a chaat then you're pretty much uh, set with your fiber you're set with your uh, vitamins you're set with your uh, macro uh, of carbs and protein and you see, and you're kind of set with the calories required at your age with your sedentary lifestyle also so you know you try that and i did try it and i didn't get that sleepy like uh, i got sleepy after 3 3 and a half hours instead of after you know uh, 45 minutes that i used to start yawning uh, so my uh, as i said my knowledge of nutrition is more of what worked for me and then coming back to keto uh, 
why I started looking into keto is that I realized when I when I cut just rice out of my diet, I pretty much cut out carbs. So is there something like a low carb diet? What's the low carb diet? How do you compensate? So I was looking at low carbs diet and then I came across keto. And this was almost no carb. Like it, it was get your body going to starvation mode and you know. Uh, then your fat's going to start burning. And I was like, yeah, that, that's genius. Yeah, why not? You know? Yeah. And uh, then I called up my nutritionist and I was like, I think I want to try keto because I've plateaued, you know? Yeah. She said, I, I don't give keto diets to anybody. I was like, why? Why don't you give keto? And she's like, uh, it's uh, very difficult to maintain, uh, you know, uh, socially. It's difficult to maintain. Um and uh, cooking wise it's difficult uh, not that difficult but yeah you, you'll always be looking at those uh, uh, you know ingredients to make and then she said you won't get enough fiber which I have an issue with like you won't be eating fresh veggies and stuff mm-hmm. and that was like her main issue with it and uh, she said if you want to try keto you can try you contact somebody else and you you can try it but don't try it for more than a month or two because it's it's not a sustainable uh, way of eating and then i started looking into the you know scientific arguments against keto because so far i just read pro keto stuff and i was really excited like you know uh, maybe here's the answer to my life's problems and you know um, <laughs> you make chicken ghee rose and eat it all day long and you know I was like yeah <laughs> like that so um, you know I got really excited when I first read about keto so then then I started looking uh, at anti-keto uh, you know articles and scientific articles at that like why keto works why keto doesn't work why keto should be for a short duration why you know and who should be doing keto for a long duration mm-hmm. so um, the arguments against keto were quite a few uh, the first was definitely it's going to you know get uh, get your poo messed up mm-hmm. <laughs> because you're not eating enough fiber and uh, you do need to eat fiber you need to eat salads I think I'm going to say salads and not fiber because people eat Mari digestive biscuit and tell me they've got enough fiber in their day. Uh, so <laughs> I'm oh, going to salads from now on. <laughs> when I talk about fiber, I mean salads. Fresh cut fruit, uh, vegetable salad. Um, so uh, yeah, so then, you know, it gets, it, it really messes up your poo and people have constipation and uh, that's not a good thing then if you have constipation you're going to get diverticular you're going to get piles and uh, that's not a good way to live and you know you don't want to feel like that all the time and another thing with uh, you know uh, countries which generally consume heavy meat diets and low fiber diets mm-hmm. is uh, that uh, a lot of studies have shown association of colon cancer because when you, uh, when your food is sitting in your colon for a long time, uh, it's kind of releasing free radicals. It's being acted upon by your good, healthy gut uh, bacteria that doesn't want anything to do with it. So it's just kind of ruminating there, and it, it's it's some it's something that's there and it shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. So and your body is trying to expel it out, but it, it's not able to because you know it needs 
some of the ingredients that it needs to make a decent poo are missing. Um, so yeah, if you go into keto and you're going to keto for a long time, then you are predisposing yourself to colon cancer apart from the short term constipation that you're feeling. Right. Uh, the second uh, thing that I found out was that uh, because it's like a meat heavy diet or it's a protein heavy diet, uh, the the two organs in your body which are as important as the heart or even more i would say is the liver and the kidney and uh, i think people don't talk about it so much they just go like heart failure ho gaya uh, ya brain stroke ho gaya but people don't understand how important the liver is if your liver is kaput and your brain and your heart are fine you're going to die because uh, the liver uh, the liver handles almost every function that you'll name. I, I can tell you that the liver handles it. Every function in the body. Uh, you know, whether it's regulating hormones or it's regulating this excess glucose or converting it to glycogen and then converting that glycogen into fats. Uh, whether every drug that you take to convert it into an active form, your liver is doing that. Mm-hmm. And uh, your fat absorption is based uh, on your liver. <laughs> Uh, or your gallbladder is like, you know, releasing certain enzymes which are going to help with that. So it's such a vital organ. And then when you uh, eat this high fat diet, uh, you are putting a lot of burden on your liver and kidney. Mm -hmm. High fat, high protein, because there's only so much that, uh, you know, it can handle per day. Right. So you you shouldn't be putting that excess load on these two organs when uh, you know they seem to be doing quite fine on this food pyramid diet, which is about fifty percent proteins or sixty percent proteins. They're doing quite well on that. Um, so when I uh, kind of started looking into the anti keto. Uh, uh, you know, the anti-keto articles and I was like, yeah, I I am not going to lose weight at the cost of my kidneys and my liver and, you know, like, uh, okay, maybe for two months I could try it, but it's not going to be a long-term thing. So when I go off of it, then what's going to happen? And, uh, you know, this thought kept bugging me and uh, with my schedule, I just sort of never... uh, Really got into that into it I just I, I, I've been reading about it uh, you know I still keep reading about keto uh, but I think what finally made me stop reading about keto uh, was the fact that I told you last time I have a sweet tooth and uh, keto requires me to go off fruits uh, which is my uh, you know the compensation for not having sweets in the house like traditional sweets in the house or uh-huh. you know cake something so if i if i don't get uh you know typical desserts which are obviously high calorie high fat high everything then i at my house it's like you know khane ke baad fruit khalo like meetha bhi ho jata hai and it's uh, got vitamins also some fiber also it's like not not bad like at least you're not putting like empty calories like ice cream into your system so it's it's like uh, it's like it's a healthier option definitely like i wouldn't uh, yeah i mean there are people who are telling me na fruits kyu khate ho you know fructose is bad for you fructose is a sugar 
I know fructose is a sugar. I know it's carbs. But uh, you know, there are vitamins. There is some fiber with fruits, um, and uh, you know, those things are important too. Like yeah, maybe I could pop a pill and get those. But I like having something sweet, and you know, at least I'm not having an ice cream. So that's how. Do you think we're too caught up? We're too caught up in eating for weight as opposed to eating for health, because it sounds like that, right? Like, don't have this; it's going to make you X Y Z weight. I am because I am struggling with weight since I remember. <laughs> so, um, I I am like that. Um, but my my sister's always been quite skinny, mm-hmm. but then. hit the post uh, 25 age mark and then you know she started having uh, you know chubby areas on her body that she had never had before and she was pretty horrified too um so so that's the first time in her life when she was told by mom and me who we both have a tendency to put on weight especially if we eat something sweet or whatever so uh, that's when we you know she was horrified cuz को बचपन से बोल रहे हैं ये मत खाओ वो मत खाओ मोटी हो रही है मोटी हो रही है बट नो बडी टोल्ड हर मोटी हो रही है सो यू नो लाइक दिस स्टार्टेडनिंग टू हर यू नो वेन शी वॉज ट्वेंटी सिक्स एंड शी वीड नो हाउ टू कोप विट बिकॉज शीज जस्ट बिन स्किनी ऑल हर लाइफ लाइक शीज बिन सुपर एक्टिव एंड यू नो she was sticks and bones at one point of time like fighting with her would hurt me cuz she was just like all bone uh, <laughs> uh, uh you know so that's when i kind of uh, started looking into do you kind of eat just for your weight management do you eat for health and that's when i realized that i think you should always eat with a bit of both okay taken into consideration because your basal metabolic rate is going to change every year mm-hmm. it changes about every 5 years uh, you know when you're out of your teens so uh, i did i did read up some articles about it so when you're when you're a teenager and your uh, you know body sort of getting activated into this uh, from a child to you know you go through puberty and then you have to become an adult so those changes which happen during puberty uh in which you have a growth spurt and you have you know development of different uh, sexual body parts and all of that that, that and your uh, hormones also uh, change so much like for a boy it's testosterone and for a girl it's estrogen and progesterone so these hormones kind of come into play as to how what you eat and how it's uh, processed and where it's going to make the fat get deposited mm-hmm. so when uh, you know a girl is going through puberty then estrogen is going to put the fat deposits towards the breast and towards the butt but like for a boy with a lot of testosterone it's going to go more towards like that growth spurt and the height and you know it's going to build like a bit more toned look for the muscles uh, but estrogen is going to give a girl a more you know a supple skin uh, not that kind of toned muscle look which is generally associated with men you're going to have like softer smoother curve, you know softer curves uh, 
even if like you really try hard it you will notice that very few women have that kind of muscle tone after working hard working out also uh, compared to you know a guy who does it for a week and you know he already starts looking like yeah he's you know lifting uh, some really good weights so uh, you know hormones have a big role to play in that and then your basal metabolic rate is also controlled by all these hormones so once you're done with your growth spurt and once you're done with you know your uh, reproductive growth is when your body sort of goes into a maintenance mode and uh, your 20s would be like the last time that your body is uh, going to tolerate very uh, you know extreme variations in weight mm-hmm. and your 20s is also the last time that uh, your bones are going to accumulate all the calcium that yep. they need to accumulate and once you hit 30 you go into something called senescence which is old age that's 30 is the mark of old age are you calling me old i'm 32 i am not calling you old uh that's what science is <laughs> is and i i think i told tanvi about this and she said what what are you saying and you know we're not that old and i said we're not old but you know it's marking the phase where the building of your body is sort of stopping now it's going right. into maintenance mode and it's going to maintenance mode and then it will start deteriorating mm-hmm. and that's aging right like you you uh, you can't fight aging but yeah you can do you can um take certain precautions with your lifestyle with your diet to slow aging down or appear that it has slowed down or by having a healthier life uh, mm-hmm. so like when you have certain kinds of food uh, which release a lot of free radicals like we don't know what Uh, chemicals they're putting when they're you know preserving certain like yeah. packaged chips so uh, when those chemicals go into your body uh, how is your gut uh, processing them and and whenever uh, you eat uh, anything you make something called free radicals and free radicals will eventually accumulate and destroy the cell and make a cell die mm-hmm. so or 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 in physics terms uh, as you grow older entropy increases in your body mm-hmm. so that's pretty much the science of aging is entropy so if you are careful with your diet in terms of both nutrients as well as calories you will be able to decrease that entropy and if you're not careful you will be increasing that entropy right you know if you eat junk food that's going to release a lot of free radicals so or like if you don't exercise enough or you know you don't keep your uh, metabolic rate in check or at least try to you know don't let it go worse it's your basal metabolic rate is going to come down that's the mm-hmm. reason why uh, you know jogging didn't help me lose weight once i touched 26 27 and i can see it happening to my younger sister also you know she she exercises for a bit but she's got a bit of a stubborn muffin top mm-hmm. uh, and uh, those love handles aren't going away no matter what she tries and 
it's going to be a bit of both it's not uh, as you age exercise is not going to be the only thing that helps you it might be the case till you're 20 but uh, or maximum early 20s but after that you're going to have to do both and pay you have to do both yeah. and that was like the bitter truth of life which i realized <laughs> Uh, after reading so much and you know questioning why 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 am I not losing weight? I just want to wear those nice clothes, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, and uh, you know it it obviously goes beyond clothes because you do want to be healthy. You want to accomplish all your goals in life. You want to uh, be there for your family and your friends, and you know. Uh, there's an emotional aspect to why you don't want to really spoil your health and you know be become dependent on others or like say like right now it's uh, a, there's a pandemic out there yeah and, uh, the only thing that's going to save you is your immunity so i do feel people who eaten a lot of junk are going to not have that good an immunity as okay. to like that. that's not a fun thing to say <laughs> But it's true. It, it is. It, true. I, I'm not saying that uh, it'll hundred uh, percent. You know, like all the junkies are going to die or something. But uh, definitely, how you uh, you know kept your body, how you kept healthy, is going to play a big part in this pandemic. Right. And uh, yeah, so I think what you originally asked me was. calories versus nutrients yeah it both mm. and uh, it has you know i mean basically your cheat meals have to kind of come down <laughs> as you age right so uh, yeah i do want to ask you so many so many so many so many more questions but i think we're going to have to turn that into a series right after this <laughs> but i like one of the one of the major questions i want to ask you is like what are the common kinds of issues or uh, diet related issues uh, that exist like you mentioned something around the lines of uh, the cardiovascular health uh, like cardiovascular health can also be uh, sorted through through diet and even pcos for that matter Yeah so PCOS is um what I have come across as the most chronic thing in my field right and, um, since I've I I love medicine in general I do uh, and you know I love reading about the uh, the process behind diseases why a certain pathology happens what's the physiology that's going into it and then what's the you know what's the step that's not happening in that disease like this is normal physiology but then this uh, disease came in and it just went off a different tangent so i i love reading about that and uh, the more i read about it and the more i practiced it and the more uh, you know my teachers taught me we learned that uh, women with pcos go on to have uh, diabetes later on in life they go on to have hypertension later on in life and uh, there's a lot of research going on about it whether it's because of the obesity that causes uh, you know that's linked to pcos is the reason behind the diabetes or uh, 
there's another disease uh, pathology at play here, which is causing both diabetes and PCOS at the same time. And uh, what can you do to treat it? And uh, you realize you have at hand such a multifactorial disease uh, with a multifactorial uh, etiology behind it that uh, you're always looking like like Einstein was looking for a you know unifying theory unifying field theory to explain all the energies yeah. uh, so um, that's kind of what PCOS is for us right now we're trying to look for that you know one uh, pathology which happens first which causes that cascade of pathologies right. uh, we understand how the different pathologies are linked we get it that okay you know uh, when we see PCOS, this person's mostly going to be obese. This person's going to become a diabetic. Yeah, obesity is related to diabetes. Yeah, obesity is related to hypertension. But why did all of this start? Like, did the diabetes start first? Is PCOS a pre-diabetic condition? Or is, uh, you know, is obesity causing PCOS? Or is PCOS causing obesity? Uh, there's just so many questions that we haven't solved and we're still looking for that unified field theory. <laughs> uh, and in fact, like something very interesting related to this, uh, you know, our search for that one uh, answer which will just explain the entire cascade of all pathologies. Uh, and I actually read about it the day I spoke to you. It's, uh, it's a very new thing and it's called dogma. It's called uh, the dogma model of PCOS and okay. very few people have heard about it. I hadn't heard of it when my mom said she was reading up dogma. I said, I know the central dogma of genetics. Why are you talking about dogma? And uh, she said, no, no, there's this, there's this new dogma related to PCOS. And uh, it was actually, it's called dysbiosis of gut microbiota. Okay. B is dysbiosis, yeah. is off, G is gut, and MA is microbiota. So, yeah. um, I, I do we have time for this? But I, because it's quite, quite, uh, it's it's we very. We can we can go with the overview. Basically, um, the gut is being looked into uh, for to explain a lot of diseases now, and our general neglect of diet and um you know lifestyle uh, for treating diseases is being looked into a lot right now because not everything can be treated by taking a pill and right. even though we are lazy human beings who would love to just pop a pill and become okay <laughs> uh, that is not the case so this this theory talks about how uh by eating certain kinds of food right. we change the microbiota of our gut. Okay. We kind of change the uh, environment of our gut when we eat high fatty foods and when we're obese. Mm -hmm. So when we eat these high fatty, high carb foods um, and they reach the gut, uh, uh, you know, uh, they reach the part of the gut where there's these uh, good bacteria and bad bacteria. The good bacteria doesn't process the junk food that we eat, the very like refined sugars and you know all of those things but there's some bad bacteria which is uh, always kept in a low population by the good bacteria because if you're eating good food 
the good bacteria is going to process it and it's going to outnumber the bad bacteria. So what happens with the bad food is that the bad bacteria starts growing in your gut. Mm-hmm. And that starts to outnumber your good bacteria. Right. Okay. And when that happens, um, combined with obesity, which causes a leaky gut, which mm-hmm. just basically means that uh, your, uh, you know, there's a layer of protection uh, in the inner lining of your gut which only allows certain good molecules to pass into your bloodstream. So that barrier becomes leaky. And when that becomes leaky because of obesity and because of the you know, refined uh, carbs that you're eating or the junk that someone's eating, the bad bacteria goes into the bloodstream and it causes uh, an inflammatory cascade. Mm-hmm basically it kind of activates your immune system to think that uh, it needs to now fight off this bad bacteria okay but only a part of the bad bacteria comes in the bacteria itself doesn't enter the body okay uh, only its coating kind of uh, enters or it's one of its products enter because it's in such a high concentration that product enters and your body goes into this sort of uh, immune reaction against it. Mm-hmm. So it produces certain kinds of, um, you know, uh, immune fighting cells. Like there are different types of uh, cells which will help with your immunity. So now that uh, will go and make these cells which will go and start attacking the insulin receptors at, in various organs of your body. Okay. And uh, why PCOD happens is because those insulin receptors in the ovary are defective. We know that for sure. Mm-hmm. Why are the insulin receptors defective? Is it a genetic thing? Is something, you know, uh, changing that is making them defective? Like, what is the change that happens when this child was completely fine and, you know, enters puberty and then gets PCOS? Or we see a woman uh, who's completely fine and she's had two kids and she's 35 right now and she suddenly gets PCOS or PCOS-like changes and, you know, she has these complaints. Then then why is it happening at different points of time to, you know, different people? And uh, this sort of explains that really well without going into genetics of it because I initially used to be like, you must have a family history of diabetes because that that would explain the insulin part, you know, like if you have a family history of diabetes and, uh, you know, PCOS is like a pre-diabetic presentation in a lot of women. So maybe it's that. But we started getting lean PCOS, like thin uh, people who have PCOD. Then we started getting people without any family history of diabetes getting PCOD and right now one in five women have PCOD in India. It's an epidemic pretty much. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, a lot of us are trying to explain that and I found this dogma theory really interesting because we were talking about how food affects us and how, you know, what's, uh, there should be some gut health and I was telling you how, um, I've actually been reading articles about how uh, a few people with PCOS tried keto and got better or, you know, right. they 
went off and definitely the first advice we do give PCOS women is to just go off all refined food and we've seen that it helps mm. like no carbs no maida no you know low salt no refined sugar just we basically make them go off junk food in a way especially from from a bakery right like bakery is the worst combination of things that taste the best like if you combine maida you're combining refined maida and refined sugar and then you're combining some you know refined oil like uh, and yeah that's cakes and that's uh, it's the worst thing you could eat uh, uh, and you know destroy your uh, ovaries pretty much <laughs> and and not just ovaries like give it can give you diabetes <laughs> yeah so i mean yeah so this dogma theory was something that was really interesting and uh, you know i, I think we, i it's still in its uh, uh, taking baby steps mm-hmm. in you know putting it out there and a uh, lot of doctors are not going to believe it i know <laughs> <laughs> but uh, i think i won't be one of them but uh, yeah it's definitely making us think about it and um, whether we believe it or not is uh, uh, you know it won't have so much of an impact if our patients don't believe it right Right. Most of the time, our patients uh, run away. For, like most of the people who I've counselled, ki uh, because I I had a great teacher uh, who put a lot of emphasis on counselling, and uh, they were her patients, and you know we were these uh, students uh, learning how to be gynecologists over three years, and she'd be like, "Go give counselling to this patient about diet," and you know I, I build this. Reputation slowly that Jaiti gives really good diet counseling, and <laughs> other people would also send their patients to me. You you sit with her, itte achhe se, calmly she explains, and I would like because I was going through uh, you know diet myself at that time, or my general awareness of uh, different types of food that different people eat. I would give them alternatives on that diabetic diet. You know, like you can eat this, you can eat that, and you know. uh i i would try and i would always first ask them so what is your typical day like because then i would modify their typical day to fit the diabetic diet better instead yeah. of you know, giving them an entirely new way of living and eating which is not going to be congruent with uh, what their family is eating uh so uh, yeah so we we faced a lot of resistance from patients because most of them just want to come and say like you know they're coming to an allopathic doctor they don't want to get like a half hour <laughs> and yeah. uh, their purpose when they're coming to an allopathic doctor is dawai likho bhai like you know yeah just give us a pill and we'll be done with it kar lenge ye sab to hum kar lenge but dawai kya leni hai and uh, i i think that's the most difficult part of practice because uh if i'm that curt with them and i tell them dawa koi dawa hi nahi kaam karegi sirf diet and lifestyle kaam karega they're not going to come back yeah. <laughs> i'm just <laughs> yeah yeah but but that's the hard truth and uh, i think i have only you know one in five or one in 10 patients who've already gone to 
like 10 doctors before me and then they come to me and i'm like actually ye sab aap le sakte ho hormone pills that's just going to yeah. give you on time uh you know just out of convenience that you're getting a period uh, when yeah. when you want it but that's it this is not treatment mm. and uh i've noticed like so many doctors who, and i'm sure they have very busy opds or i i think they realize how this patient is because they're obviously more experienced than i am i'm just like you know two three years out of uh, you know masters and i'm i'm a very young gynecologist so <laughs> i still have a lot of ideals and you know i want to counsel them and uh, then i get reprimanded aadhe ghanta ek patient ke sath lagaoge to ho gayi kamai
I I can't uh, you know I don't want to be that bad person either. So I I I've started to assess patients and I'm like, does this this one's gonna this one's gonna hear it in this one. Patient really want to cure PCOS or just wants like an immediate solution? You know, so I have to gauge that now with patients, and yeah. I. So I was saying, you know, maybe I should write few articles or like, or, or the reason uh, I'm doing this is to maybe reach out to people, who listen to this, and understand that I'm not trying to scare them. I just have too much knowledge in my head, and you know, I want to. Oh no! So we 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 have to dive very deep into that one because uh, a lot of the people that I know have been dealing with this. Yeah. Uh, so we definitely need to do another episode on this one. Definitely, I feel PCOS is uh, <laughs> one of my favorite topics, and uh, I do uh, genuinely want to disseminate uh, knowledge about it. And you know, if it impacts, I think even ten people, and they they feel there's a change uh, in their life, mm-hmm. and you know, they feel better about their bodies, and they feel that they have their condition under control. That I think that would be uh, more than enough. But yeah, I'm not a bad doctor. I'm not trying to. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. I think that are you know, there's no medicine for yet. Hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for having me on this platform because I think uh, I used to love writing, but I I've gotten lazy. So yeah. I think. I feel people do uh, listen to this audio-visual format a lot more than reading nowadays. So <laughs> I have to keep up with this uh, trend and shift from writing to this format. Oh yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is why I said we're gonna have to do a lot more than just one. Yes, definitely. <laughs> it's a lot easier also because then you know you're writing and you're like, this paragraph is not perfect. Let me go back. <laughs> I, I think that book would just like never come out because I'd be like, no, no, no. I, I, yeah, you just sit down and edit it over and over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you so much for coming. Thank uh, you so much for having me. We're gonna do another one soon. Definitely. <laughs> All right. Okay. Good night. Good night. Bye.